This is Pastor Scott. Thank you so much for checking out my sermon podcast from the New Hope Walpolopin Faith, Stairwell, and Slocum United Methodist Churches. We'd love to have you join us some Sunday for worship. To find out more about our locations and worship times, find us on Facebook at New Hope Walpolopin. We hope to see you soon. Well, it might seem odd to start the first Sunday in Lent in the book of Genesis. Um, But we're there today because uh, our passage from today actually starts with a promise. Um, Now, promises are one of these things that I think it's changed with time. It used to be, I promise, meant something. Now it's like, I promise, and you know, your fingers are behind your back, or, you know. um, It's it's not what it used to be. Um, But this promise is one of the many that we see God make uh, to, to humankind and to people in the Bible. After the flood, uh, after Noah had uh, parked the ark, if you will, um, God says this to Noah. He says, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. This is the second of seven Uh, covenants that we see God make in Scripture. Um, The first was the covenant in the Garden of Eden between God and and Adam and Eve. Um, We all know how that one went. Uh, That's why my back hurts today. Uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Following the covenant with Noah, uh, we actually see God's next covenant is the covenant with Abraham, uh, offering to, he's promising to make him the father of a great nation, Uh, Next came the covenant with Moses and the Ten Commandments. Um, Then there was a covenant with King David and his descendants. And finally, the new covenant, which was was sort of in two parts, so that counts as two. Um, The covenant which was first foretold by the prophet Jeremiah about the new covenant that was to come. And then the fulfilled new covenant in the person of Jesus and through our faith in him. Uh, Covenants of scripture show us. Um, a great deal. They show us that God is faithful and that God fulfills his promises. It also shows us that God has a plan. As you see the progression of the covenants through scripture, um, it shows us that even in the midst of, of hardship or struggle, those times when we can't see beyond our own circumstances, that God is often working on something better and bigger than we could even imagine. And looking back on the covenants of these covenants of the people involved therein, um, none of them were without hardship or trial. So today's promise is made with Noah, and uh, it was after uh, God had flooded the earth. By the way, uh, what kind of lights did Noah have on the ark? Floodlights. I saw that this week as I was looking for it. I thought that's a good one. Uh, there were some really terrible ones. You're lucky I filtered the bad ones out. And you're probably thinking the bad ones. Um, but I actually, I jokingly said a few weeks ago when we were talking about um, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, um, I mentioned it briefly. I said, if it was me, um, if I was in God's shoes after the fall of mankind, after all of that happened, I would have just started over. I would have just sort of said, you know what? This is a failed experiment. We're going to just throw this one in the trash and start all over. Um, while not a restart, what we see in Genesis is is sort of a reboot. It's sort of of God sort of changing things a little bit. We read in Genesis 6, So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. 
But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis goes on to say, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah and his family were spared because Noah was righteous. Noah walked with God. But we have to understand that Noah wasn't perfect. We see a little bit later after the flood what happens with Noah. He has a little too much to drink and and some other things happen. But something I think it's important to understand is that you can be righteous and you don't have to be perfect because there's a difference. Righteousness is about having a right relationship with God. It's about following God's commandments. It's it's about faith and relationship and confession and forgiveness. Um, It's a desire to do better and to be better. Uh, It's constantly seeking the things of God. One of the things I find interesting about the story of Noah is is the description that we see of of humankind that's found in Genesis. Um, One of the issues, and I'm not going to get into that because I don't completely understand all of it, is that at this time before uh, the flood, uh, it says that, that angelic beings were actually still on the earth. Some of the angels were on the earth with the people. And so they, they bred and, and things happened and, and then sort of things went a dark way. Um, it talks about how wicked humanity had become and, and that every inclination was towards evil. It talked about how the earth was full of violence and how the people had become corrupt. Considering the state of humanity over the years, because we could probably look back on our own history uh, and see, like, well, all the times that humanity was corrupt, that humanity struggled. I mean, even now, we're kind of on the fence a little bit. You know, we're kind of headed in a direction that I don't think God wants for us. I think it's a pretty good sign that we're still here, so God is faithful to his covenant. Otherwise, we wouldn't be. God said to Noah in verse 11, I established my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Now, some um, in some of the commentaries and things I was reading as I prepared, there are some saying, well, yeah, but God just said that about water. What about asteroids and fire or you know all of these other things? Um, but again, if you look back at the history of humankind and look at the fact that we are still here, uh, I'm pretty sure that God included the other stuff because otherwise a big meteor would probably have already fallen on the earth and, and we would have been restarted again. Um, I think just the fact that we're still here shows that God is faithful to his covenants. Because again, if it was me, I would have started over on Mars. Um, but this covenant that we see today is God's covenant with us. Um, It requires nothing of us. The covenant with Adam and Eve was a covenant between God and Adam and Eve. And, well, we, again, know how that one went. Um, But this covenant is not, I will never destroy the earth by the flood as long as you people behave yourselves this time. We don't see that. We say, God say, I will never destroy the earth by a flood. This covenant is completely, it completely rests on God. God goes on to say to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. The rainbow is a symbol of hope and promise for many. Um, 
the rainbow has also become a symbolism for the for the uh, LGBTQ community about about inclusion and diversity, which I think is a good thing. Inclusion and diversity is not a bad thing. Um, but I know that there's also movement to to take back the rainbow. But I, I guess my question would be like, why aren't we taking it back from Skittles? Because you know they kind of they kind of co-opted the rainbow or Rainbow Bright. Um, I think I think the rainbow is something that if it gives us hope and promise, I think it's okay that other people use it as well. Um, because I, I know one of the interesting things is whenever a rainbow appears, whenever there's a nice rain and the sun comes out and a rainbow appears, my social media feed is covered with people like, look, it's a rainbow. Um, you know, we have all of our technology and so much at our fingertips, yet we're still amazed when a rainbow appears in the sky. Isn't that saying something about what it means to us and the hope that comes from that? Um, I myself, a few years ago, before I came to New Hope, when I was still down in Mechanicsburg, um, was kind of dealing with, with some issues with, with being so far away from home. And um, I was at church camp and just kind of struggling with some things. And I had to drive back home. And it was, it was a couple hours at least. It was a long trip. And it was a long trip in the rain. And it was kind of stormy and gross and, you know, gray. And I remember on my way um, during that trip, uh, I think I counted five different rainbows that I saw. All along that trip, I was in my car and praying as I was sort of dealing with this. So God and I were kind of having some conversations. I was doing most of the talking. Um, but as we're, that happens a lot, actually. But as we were, um, as driving, I was just having, you know, praying about the situation, and these rainbows kept appearing. And I think I still have pictures on my phone somewhere as I took them as I was driving, but don't tell anybody. Um, See, for me, it was a reminder in the midst of this struggle, this thing I was going through. Every time I saw one, it was a reminder that, all right, I'm listening. Um, and just so you know, that situation that I was praying about, that I was struggling with, um, it actually resolved itself for the good um, a few months later. Um, God is faithful. God keeps his promises to us. God wants what's best for us. Our passage today ends with God telling Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. God's covenant wasn't just for a particular nation or group of people. It wasn't even just for humankind. It was all living things. It's a reminder that us, even all of creation, is dependent upon God to keep his covenant. We're dependent upon God for our lives. For me, though, I grew up in a tradition, a faith tradition that was based on fear. Um, fear that, that God would do something like this again. It was this afraid that, that if I stepped out of place that, God was going to have it in for me. For me, faith wasn't so much following and, and being faithful as much as it was living in fear because I was afraid that if I died, even as a child, that if I died and I didn't have, you know, one little thing was out of step, that I was going to go to hell. That's the faith I grew up with. My faith told of an angry Old Testament God that, that was just vengeful and always out to get us if we, if we stepped out of line. It's the God I grew up with, and this is the God a lot of people still live with, this angry, vengeful God. And so there are a lot of people that their belief in God is, is not as much in the faith and believing in Jesus, who, who, who's love and, and goodness and grace. Their God is a God of anger and vengeance and wrath, and so they, they believe out of fear. They believe, uh, basically, that their, their faith is all avoiding damnation. But the danger in that is, if you're only hope and, and your only reason for believing is to avoid damnation, then there's that part of you that hopes the people that don't believe like you are going to get the damnation. 
Do you see the danger in that? Because if, if, if I die and I go to heaven and then you die and you go to heaven and you didn't live as good as I did and you end up there, well, that's not fair. So there's that little part of us that kind of wants people that don't believe like we believe to get theirs. And again, I don't believe that's the way it works. See, if we look at the covenants throughout the Bible, we'll see a progression. We'll see God going from this God of fear and anger to this message of love and grace in the person of Jesus. It's a story of redemption from the fall to the cross. Because if I think if God was really a God of anger and wrath, he would have started all over. And I think he wouldn't have continued to give humankind second chances. It's this story of, of, of death to eternal life. And this is what Lent is about. Lent is a reminder of our mortality. It's a time for us to remember the part that we play in the new covenant because the new covenant now falls on us. Because Jesus, God already did his part. Jesus already did his part. That price has been paid. It's now up to us to have belief, to have faith, to have trust in Jesus Christ. It's up to us to recognize that redemption that comes through us through our faith in him. And just like the rainbow is a reminder to us of, of the faithfulness of God in that covenant with Noah, when we come to the table each month and take communion, we say these words from Matthew 26. We hear these words from Jesus that said that he took the cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. The cup is our reminder of the covenant, just as the rainbow is a reminder of the God's covenant with Noah. But it's even greater than that. The reason he used wine or juice and bread is because they were common things that they often ate and drank when they were together. It's our reminder that when we, when we join together, not just in communion, but that when we eat bread or when we drink juice or wine, it's our reminder we're supposed to use these things to remember Jesus. And that could be anything. If you'd use coffee, I'd remember him three or four times a day. <laughs> that was a joke. But it's our constant reminder that when we drink, when we eat, of the sacrifice that God, or that Jesus made for us. As we begin to walk these 40 days of Lent, Noah spent 40 days in the wilderness. Jesus, when he was tempted, spent 40 days Noah spent 40 days in the ark, not the wilderness. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness after his baptism when he was tempted by Satan. And we walk 40 days through Lent. The point of Lent is to prepare ourselves for Easter. It's not about giving up coffee and caffeine or social media. It's about what Joel says in 2, 13, chapter 2, verse 13. It says, rend your hearts, not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God and listen to these words that Joel uses to describe God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from punishment. That doesn't sound like an angry vengeful, judgmental God to me. May we use these 40 days to rend our own hearts 
As Psalm 51.17 says, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. May we allow God to examine our hearts this Lent. May he break our hearts and remove from us anything that doesn't belong. And may we fulfill our part of the new covenant by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Let us pray. Dear God, as we come to you this first day of Lent, help us to walk with you the rest of these 40 days. May you speak into our hearts. May you help cleanse us from within and prepare us for the cross and for Easter. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to our prayer time this morning,